Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. Listen to the word of the Lord from Galatians 5.1 as we begin. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So Johnny alluded to this already. It doesn't happen every year that the 4th of July falls on a Sunday. I'm presuming it's around every seven years or so, but I don't, I don't know exactly. But I want to join in the chorus of wishing you a happy Independence Day. And for all of you watching online, if you're watching from the pool or you're watching between cornhole games in the yard happy independence day for all of you watching a little later in the day while you're grilling hot dogs and hamburgers happy independence day for all of you watching while you're sitting on a lawn chair and it's nighttime and you're waiting for the fireworks happy independence day and by fireworks i'm of course talking about my sermon be prepared for scattered explosions of information followed by a colorful grand finale of inspiration. By the way, that, that sounded cooler when I wrote it um, this week than when I actually said it, especially as I, I see your, your faces, it might not have quite uh, hit the mark. But having the fourth fall on a Sunday invites, like Johnny talked about, it invites a little reminiscing, thinking back on times when you were growing up or maybe times as an adult with your kids or your grandkids or friends. What, what comes to mind for you when you think about celebrating the fourth? Is it picnics at the park? Is it times at the lake or at the pool? Do you fight the crowds and you stay up late, and you let the kids stay up late, and you go to watch fireworks in person, or are you the kind of person that's content to get in bed and find fireworks somewhere on the East Coast so you can say you saw them, and then you go to bed early? Or are you, like Johnny talked about, the kind that, that likes to set off your own fireworks? We live fairly close to some baseball fields just down the street from us. So I don't know what it's like where you live, but 4th of July actually started about three weeks ago near our house. People have been setting off fireworks throughout the day and especially throughout the night for weeks. And our poor little Karen Terrier is just walking around the house like he's living in a war zone, looking at us, like, do, do you guys not hear what's going on? And uh, periodically, the, the contents of his insides are just coming to the outside because he's afraid. And I probably didn't need to include that bit of information, but that's, that's what we've been living with the last three weeks. This is a big day for our nation when we celebrate independence. In our nation, it is fair to acknowledge, has never been perfect about our pursuit of liberty 
and justice for all. But that idea from the beginning and that ideal that we have always held up is an ideal that is worth holding up. So Johnny quoted a little bit of this. I want to read a little bit more. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men and women are created equal, and they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And I love the ideal conveyed here, and I also like those bits that say, you know, this is self-evident. This shouldn't require discussion or debate. We can all see that our world is created for something more than we sometimes live up to. How do we end the Pledge of Allegiance with liberty and justice for all? We shouldn't have to argue that. That shouldn't be up for debate. But sometimes things that are self-evident, that seem obvious, still have obstacles. And there were obstacles 245 years ago when the Founding Fathers made these declarations. And there were obstacles that go back to the beginning of the human story. Obstacles to freedom, obstacles to liberty, obstacles to justice, obstacles to equality. So one of the stories that shows up early in Scripture and then looms over all of the rest of it is the enslavement of the people of Israel in Egypt under the Pharaoh. And the people of Israel cry out to God in their slavery and God hears and God acts and God liberates because enslavement was never the design the created design. What we, I think, would all argue is self-evident and also revealed throughout the story of Scripture is we weren't created for that kind of subjugation. We were created by God for freedom. But the story of humanity is a story where the ideal is here But the reality always falls short. That's what Paul says. We all fall short. We as individuals and the story itself, humanity as a whole, falls short of the glory of God. We fall short of the ideal. And the Bible has a word for that. Sin. Which is not just about individual acts, although it includes that. But sin, capital S, is the story of a humanity who was created for the ideal, but keeps keeps coming up short. And it creates all kinds of problems. Problems within us and problems between us. Problems in our souls and problems in our structures. 
And it shows up in ways that rob us of the freedom that we were created for. It shows up in ways that imprison and enslave. So what has Jesus come to do? Well, he comes to to forgive us of our individual sin. Yes, that's a beautiful part of the story, but that's not the whole story. He comes to make all things new, that the old creation would pass away, and a new creation, what God created it for in the first place, that would replace all the things that are broken, that he would make right everything that's been made wrong, that he frees us from all that enslaves us. So Jesus says in John 8, 34, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son and daughter belong to it forever. So if the son sets you free, then you will be free indeed. Or let's go back to the verse I started with from Galatians 5. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. The work of Jesus is freedom work. It's liberating work. It is liberty and justice for all work. Sin is enslaving, but Jesus sets us free from the power of sin, from the shame, from the guilt, from the hatred, from the greed, from the discord, all of the ways that we get trapped. Jesus continues to show up with the key. Jesus opens the door. Jesus liberates us, frees us to rise above those things that keep us down. But what's interesting is Paul goes on to say in this chapter that the path of liberation is not obtained from legalistic religion It's not a mountain of rules or an ocean of judgment that sets you free. It's not just a particular group of people that can find that freedom if they're born into the right family. It's not a joyless list of regulations. Freedom isn't fueled by guilt or shame or self-loathing or self-righteousness. It is not your might. It is not your ability Freedom comes from God. Freedom is won by grace. Freedom is a gift. When you are at your best and when you're at your worst, it's God's love when you've got it all together and when you are completely falling apart. It's God's mercy when you are filled with faith and all of those times you are riddled with doubt. It is freedom. Not won by you, but won by the work of Jesus. And when Christ sets you free, 
You're really free. You are free indeed. So don't be a slave to sin, he says. But don't be a slave to legalism either. That's just trading one prison for another. When you are made free, you are free indeed. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm in that freedom and don't let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. So I've got two simple prayers for us this Independence Day. And one is to embrace the freedom that Christ gives for all the places that you're feeling stuck, for all the places that you feel powerless, for all the places where you are pushed down by shame and guilt and struggle and failure. No, remember, grab on to this truth. Christ has come to set you free. You don't have to be imprisoned anymore. You don't have to be enslaved anymore. And that is good news to grab onto and never let go of. Celebrate it today. Enjoy it today as an even bigger expression of our freedom that extends long before this country was ever around. But here's the second prayer. As we embrace that freedom that comes from Christ. Make sure that you express that freedom in ways that lift up God and others. So Paul goes on in a couple of verses to say in verse 6, the only thing that really counts is faith expressing itself through love. That's how you know you're really experiencing and expressing the freedom that comes from Christ. Or as he says a few verses after that in 13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Now, when Paul talks about the flesh, I think it's helpful to recognize that he's not saying things that happen in the body. That's not the point. He's using that as a shorthand way to talk about things that are destructive to self and destructive to soul and destructive for others. It is a shorthand way to talk about those sinful instincts, those instincts that tear us down and tear others down in the process. You can't Call it freedom that comes from Christ if you embrace it and express it in a way that's damaging to you and damaging to those around you. That, too, is just another form of slavery. And slavery to others as well. And that's always been one of the challenges with freedom, right? It's not just that we embrace it, but that we then express it in ways that reflect the ways of Jesus. We love 
our freedom in this country. And we should, and we celebrate our freedom in this country, and we should, and we defend our freedom in this country, and we should, but sometimes we lift up ways of freedom that are more harmful than helpful. So let's talk for just a minute about one form of freedom that is a bedrock of American identity. The First Amendment. That's a great amendment. If you got to start with one, that's a great one to start with because that one packs in all kinds of freedoms that we celebrate. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, the press, freedom to assemble. There are lots of countries that don't allow these kinds of freedoms. Certainly not all of these freedoms. And we are the beneficiaries of these freedoms in this country, and we celebrate that this morning. We thank God for that this morning. But we also know that these kinds of freedoms don't then mean we're free from responsibilities as to how we use them. We know it doesn't then mean that we're free from any consequences with how we use these freedoms, or that we're free from the damage that can be done if we use these freedoms in reckless ways. So I want to show you an image I'm guessing a lot of you saw because it was everywhere this last week. This is not in America, but this is in another country that holds up and celebrates and honors and protects freedom. And this is a woman who is holding up a really sweet sign. So I don't speak French, and I understand this is maybe a combination of French and then some uh, German uh, as well. But a, a, a rough translation is she's holding up a sign that says, Go, Grandpa and Grandma. Really nice, right? That's lovely. That's very loving. But those of you, and I saw it on your faces, you already know this story. Let's, let's show the full image. Okay, so they're at the Tour de France. And she's angling to be seen on TV so that her grandparents can get this really sweet, loving message. That's the context, right? And that's great. What could go wrong with that? Getting on TV and, and telling the world that you are fond of your grandparents. Well, let's go ahead and uh, let's, let's watch just a little video that shows a little more of the story. How many people are going to get back up? Right, that this? sign right on there, Phil. Let's do your picture. Oh my, oh, my goodness me. Oh, it was the sign that the rider in front hit. And that is the result. And this is a top view. I, I went ahead and took out the audio and then about three-fourths of the peloton bites it right after that, uh, that moment that hits the sign. Okay, I don't want to dogpile on this woman because the riders had a rough time. Let's recognize that. And she had a really rough time at the end of this. First, she went into hiding, I think out of humiliation, and no one 
could find her. And the, the, the directors of the tour, they're like, we are suing this lady. We're going all in. And then eventually she turned herself in to police. And then they let her go. And the people at the tour were like, okay, maybe we'll back off. She's probably been through enough. And the rioters have been through enough. But here's why I show this. And it was it was all over the news. A lot of you have seen it already. You don't have to intend harm to sometimes inflict harm by what you say and what you write and what you post or where you hold up what you wrote. You don't have to mean to be cruel for what you do and say to be cruel. You don't have to mean anything derogatory or racist or sexist for what you say to be really harmful and derogatory and cut someone else down. This woman meant absolutely no harm, I am convinced. But sometimes we hurt people even if we don't intend to. And so the point is not about blaming. The point is, as Jesus followers, to always strive to be better, to be God-honoring in what we say. And we also know that while we don't always mean hurt, we sometimes do. Sometimes we know good and well what we're saying, and we know it will hurt, and we know it will hurt because they hurt me, so I'm going to say something that I know hurts them. And sometimes we know people who say mean and cruel and boorish things and, and really bullying things, and they do it on purpose. And then, especially in our country, we sometimes like to then take a step back and hide behind things like the First Amendment and say something really cruel and then follow it up with, well, hey, this is a free country, right? This is my right, First Amendment, and I don't want to debate the constitutionality or legality of that discussion. That's for another place. I would simply remind us that as Jesus' followers, we answer to a higher law, and that is the law of love. That we follow one who preceded the Constitution by a long stretch. And he calls us to freedom absolutely. In fact, he is the one doing the freedom work, the liberating work. But when we experience the freedom of Christ, we know it's supposed to take us in one direction. And that is the way of love. That's what we heard in 513. Real freedom doesn't lead us down paths of destruction for ourselves, for our soul, for others, but it finds its full expression in love. And then he continues in verse 14, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Paul is quoting Jesus, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. 
So one more 4th of July tie-in. I, I think of our freedom a lot like the fireworks that we've talked about this morning. And we love, and we love to use and watch to express our freedom every year. When you use them in the right way, they are beautiful and powerful and fun and quite literally a blast. But when we use them carelessly, without concern for self or others or property, that's, that's what leads to the 10,000 plus wildfires every year that are set off by fireworks. And that's what leads to the more than 10,000 injuries like Johnny talked about that end up in front of some sort of medical professional. And more than half of those are under the age of 20. And before you charge me with pitchforks or bottle rockets at the end of the sermon, I, I'm not anti-fireworks or anti-freedom. Actually a big fan of both. Just think as, as Jesus followers, we need to remember where that freedom was always designed to take us. Today and every day, we celebrate our freedom. Embrace your freedom. Enjoy your freedom. Give thanks to God for freedom. But do it in a way that honors the way of Jesus. And when we do, we know where that path leads every time. Because the true path of freedom is the path that leads to love.